Philippians 3:12 through 14. Paul is talking us through the Christian life and the fullness of God which is available to us each and every day. And he says, starting in verse 12 of chapter 3, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the rise of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The Christian life is, is really all about two things. It's about the reality of what God has done for us and then our reaction to that knowledge. Uh, and so what we find on the pages of Scripture is that spiritual motivation isn't about greed. It's not about selfish ambition. It's not about resentment. It's not about guilt. It's not about anything like that. A godly, spiritually motivated man uh, is the man who understands what Christ has done for him. It is a personal love an expectation that causes a person to then become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And once a person is on the road to discipleship, then they are headed towards spiritual fruit. They're headed towards kingdom usefulness. Uh, They're headed toward eternal reward. And it's on the disciple road that we become representatives of Jesus Christ and then are endowed with his power to shake the world. And as we follow after God, counting all other things all other worldly things as lost, as we saw last week, we get closer and closer to the Lord and we are conformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And so now Paul takes a moment to address uh, a couple of things here. Uh, It's a really powerful and personal passage, but he does take a moment to address some doctrinal issues here because some might come along and take a look at these texts and come to the conclusion then that, okay, well, I'm reading Philippians and I'm seeing what God has available and this work that he's doing and all of these sorts of things. And, and you could come to the conclusion that then a real Christian uh, should be sinless. And a real Christian commands the resurrection power at his discretion. And a real Christian does all this and more. And then sadly, that is a uh, doctrinal position that some groups within Christianity hold and teach. But here's what Paul says. We already read it. Look at verse 12. He says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And so, yeah, Paul's been talking about what the Lord wants to do in the life of uh, the Christian, and he's been talking about the resurrection power and how that's supposed to define our day-to-day living. But he says here, look, I'm not perfected. You're not perfected. None of us can be perfected on this side of eternity. Now, if the Apostle Paul can evaluate his life at this point and, and say that, you know what, I have not attained that which I'm pressing on toward. I'm not there yet. Then, of course, we understand that no Christian is ever going to attain perfect glorification or sinlessness on this side of heaven. And to say otherwise is simply unbiblical. And so there are traditions and groups out there who say that, you know, you need to become sinless and and it's possible to live a completely perfect life. Or even like the article we read this morning that, you know, if I, if I want to, if I'm a real Christian, if I want to, I can raise the dead at will and I can do this at will. And, and that's, an unbiblical, uh, uh, that's an unbiblical position to hold. Now, at first, you know, this might disappoint us a little bit, I think, you know, uh, the understanding that in this temporal life, we're always going to struggle with temptation. We're always going to struggle with sin. We're always going to have to walk by faith and not by sight, trusting that the Lord is doing what he says he's doing. We always are going to be 
in that state of human imperfection until we are in eternity with Jesus. And on this side of heaven, God is continually molding us and truing us uh, through his power. But we shouldn't be disappointed by that. We need to adjust our thinking because if we adjust our thinking, we're going to find ourselves not being disappointed with the imperfection of this life, but rather we're going to be invigorated by the completion that God is bringing about within our hearts. Paul's mind here was set on how close he was, not how far he was. And I think that's an important thing if we can kind of make sense of that. To Paul, the pursuit of godliness was always just out in front of him, always just there at his grasp almost, that he was pressing on toward. He had that finish line in sight, and he understood that the Lord was ushering him along to get there. God wanted to fuel him to get to that finish line that he was at. Because Jesus Christ had laid hold of him for that very reason, to turn Paul into the man that we see in the text of God's word. To take a lost sinner who was a persecutor of a church, murderer of Christians, and to transform this guy into someone who was in tune with God and was full of the Holy Spirit and who was able to testify of the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. And so what we see is that Paul understood that Jesus had laid hold of him personally and he had set his life before him with a work to do and a race to run. And so Paul didn't spend all his time being disappointed that he wasn't perfect yet, that you know he wasn't completed yet. He didn't spend his time being disheartened. Instead, he spent his time reaching out towards God and straining to take hold of all that God had for him. He, he fo- spent his time focusing on how close he was to eternity and how close he was to, to getting to the point that Jesus wanted him to get to instead of thinking about how far he was and, and you know from eternity. And it's an interesting perspective. Because we sometimes get bogged down in the imperfection. And we can get discouraged about how far we think we are from the excellence of heaven. Or, you know, we kind of get, I think, discouraged about you know, the struggles that we have. But we need to not lose heart. Because we are on our way as Christians if we're committed to following the Lord in discipleship. We're being transformed and we're being conformed day by day. And Jesus Christ has laid hold of us, the text says. And now we are new creations through his life and through his power. Uh, Ironside has a good analogy for this, I think. Uh, he, he thinks about our Christian life like an apple on the tree. Uh, from the death of the seed to the blossom of the bud to the development of the fruit, and there's this wonderful progression that we see. Now, if we are walking along and we see an apple tree and there's an apple there on the branch, if we walk by that apple hanging on a branch in May, early May, we're going to think, okay, that apple's not finished yet. It's still an apple, though. I mean, it may not be finished, but it is still an apple. We look at that and we think, okay, that apple is on its way. It's still an apple. It's just not done. It hasn't been made complete on the branch yet. Now, you walk by that same tree and you walk by that same apple in August, and and we'll see that it will have matured. It will have ripened. It will be exactly what it's meant to be. And it's made that way by staying connected to the tree and growing on the branch. And so I thought that was a, a good analogy to think about our Christian life and to think about where it is we're going and having that finish line uh, in our sights at all times because that's what Paul uh, is doing in this text. We are in the hands of Christ. He's laid hold of us and he's made us into a new creation. And now he's set us on a path that leads to fruitful completion. Now along the way we develop and we grow. Uh, We have to weather the storms that come and we have to weather the heat sometimes but we're on our way and we're developing and we're growing and and he's working out the imperfections in our lives continually until we're finally ushered into eternity and made into the glorified citizens of heaven that we desire to be. 
Of course, then on the flip side of that, one might think, okay, well, then a Christian doesn't really have to do anything in order to fulfill his purpose. I just am a Christian. I just sit and, and the growth just happens. And of course, we've seen how this is not true. That's not true from our earlier studies in this book. We see it all over the New Testament. But Paul reiterates it again in these verses. Because if we really want to receive the fullness of God, if we really want to receive the, the growth uh, that he's offering, the fullness of his presence and his guidance, the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his reward, then we have to be people who stretch out and push toward him day by day. That's the choice to make. Uh, it's the same choice that Jesus gave everyone who came and wanted to be a disciple in the Gospels. You know, uh, the rich young ruler, the man who wanted to bury his father first, the others as well. You know, they came and they said, well, we want to follow you, Rabbi. And he said, okay, are you going to pursue me? Are you going to push towards me? Or are you not going to? Are you going to sit back and hope that some things just happen on their own? Uh, the Lord always put before them whether they would pursue God or whether they would let him pass them by. And the same is true for each one of us and every disciple uh, throughout the church age. Because Paul says, look, Jesus Christ has laid hold of me, not only to make me a new creation, but he's also taken hold of me for a specific purpose. Paul understood that the Lord was directing his life. And, and we see that. He's like, yeah, I'm in prison, but I'm a prisoner of Christ. And I'm hoping to go and do this if the Lord wants me to do that. And I'm hoping to you know, accomplish the following things because I feel those things as a calling in my life by God. And indeed, we've seen that every Christian is grasped by God for a specific purpose, some specific assignment, some specific calling. And so before each and every one of us, it, there is a calling to serve the Lord and there is a calling to become like the Lord. That's what we find in the New Testament. Serve the Lord and become like the Lord. Onward and upward, we could say. Not letting God pass us by. Not letting godly opportunities pass us by. Not becoming rigid in the hands of the potter, but moving forward towards Christ in heaven. And the way that Paul describes this pursuit is with race language. And we're familiar with this analogy, especially in this text. Uh, the way that Paul's describing it is as a runner running flat out for the finish line. Uh, pushing through fatigue, pushing through difficulty with the finish and the prize in sight. He goes on to describe this frame of mind in verse 13. He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Interestingly here, Paul fully expected that there was more for him to receive from the Lord in his life. Even as the you know, great apostle, he wouldn't call himself the great apostle, but as we look back and we say, you know, man, the great apostle, the writer of so much of the New Testament, the great church planter, you know, Paul, he's, he's the man. You know, even he, at this point in his life, he thought, you know what, there is more for me to receive from the Lord. There's more for me to do in the Lord. Paul had ambition to move forward in his faith because he knew that the abundant life Jesus offers doesn't end at salvation. The abundant life that Jesus came to give us, it doesn't have a limit. It doesn't have a, 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 a time you know, frame on it. It is limitless. And it doesn't end at salvation. One Bible commentator draws the analogy of marriage. You know, he says, you know, getting saved is like your wedding day. It's wonderful. It's life changing. But that's not the end. Your marriage didn't end at your wedding day. Your marriage began at your wedding day. And the depth of relationship is found after that moment, after the day of your wedding. 
And so Paul expected each day to be an opportunity for him to gain ground in his pursuit of God. And so to that end, he forgot the things which were behind, and we should forget them as well. Whether they're past sins, which the devil tries to use to discourage or trip us, throwing those back in our face and say, look what you did you know, in your past. We need to forget those things. Or whether they're past victories or, or you know, past ways that God has used us, those things can sometimes also cause us to slow our pace. But Paul said, ah, I'm forgetting everything which is behind. It's kind of like he's using these, these big terms. He says, you know, earlier verses, he says, you know, everything else in my life is lost. I just cut it all away. It's all garbage. All I care about is what Jesus Christ is doing in my life and asking me to do. And here he's using that same kind of big general language. He says, you know, I forget everything that's behind me. Whether it's good or bad, it, 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 you know, I'm just forgetting that because I'm all about moving forward vigorously in my faith. Again, if we're thinking about the runner analogy, if you're competing to win a marathon, I've never ran a marathon or competed to win a marathon. Uh, my wife has run some marathons. She's a runner. And she always tells me about you know, how fast the people who are running to win, how fast they run and, and, and the, you know, the, the kinds of discipline they have. And so if you're competing to win a marathon, you don't have time to think about how great you did back at mile four. Man, I crushed it at mile four. I ran so fast. I passed so many people. Like mile four, I was a superstar. Yeah, you're on mile 16 now, you know, and, and uh, it's great. It's great that you ran fast in mile four, but mile four is gone. And all that's left is what's in front of you. All that's left is the finish line. Because if you're running to win, there has to be singular focus and strenuous effort to get there. And so one of the keys to living a spirit-filled life is not to let your past control your present or control your future. Uh, if there's sin in your past, then repent of it and be set free by the forgiveness of God. Cut that away. Forget it because you've been forgiven by God. If there's great victory in your past, praise the Lord. Fantastic. Hallelujah. Give God the glory. But don't consider yourself finished because you ran a great mile ten years ago. There are more depths to God's grace and providence in your life. And so keep running to win. We're in this for the long haul. And Paul said, hey, I'm in this race to win this race. I think sometimes we think more militarily than we do athletically. Uh, here's, what I, here's what I mean by that. Because when I think about military strategy from the armchair of my non-military life, I start, <laughs> I start thinking about lines of defense. I start thinking about groups of engagement. I start thinking about how in you know, movies, of, you know, period movies, how they have that weird wooden thing where they're pushing around the little models. And they say, okay, well, this group will go over here and this group will hold back. And then you know, this is the strategy and it's this big kind of chessboard type of thing. And uh, I think about the reserves that are held back for defense and for contingency planning. You know, and even here in, in the United States, we have military reserves. And that's a wonderful thing militarily. But Paul is asking us to think athletically here. He's asking us to think of life as if we are a marathoner who's competing to win. And of course, now in this marathon, man, there are lions that are seeking to devour you and there are enemies that are trying to trip you. There's obstacles to overcome. I mean, it's a rough marathon as far as marathons go, but it's a race. And in this race, we can't be holding ourselves back. You can't store reserves of your life that we bank on in case the whole sanctification thing just isn't really working out. You know, I'm going to really hold back. You know, I'm going to hold back most of my effort until mile 24 or so, and then I'll really go, yeah, it's too late. Everybody will have passed you by then, you know, is the mindset that Paul is kind of giving us. There has to be a flat-out pursuit of God if we want the, the victory that God is offering to us as Christians. And we need to push ourselves 
to grasp that fullness that the Lord has set before us. And so the question is this, for each and every one of us to ask ourselves, are we straining in our pursuit of God? Are we pressing? Are we running the race to win the race at a flat-out exertion? Uh, have we called up the reserves and said, I'm, I'm going to pour everything into this. I'm going to not hold back in my pursuit of God. I'm going to call up the reserves. Or are we holding back some part of our lives as a contingency? Are we holding back the surrender of our hearts because of some fear or some entanglement with the world or some other distraction? But Jesus came to give us abundant life. That's what he said, and we believe him when he said that. And it's in that abundance that we find all the things that he has for us. And in that abundance, there's always more that we can receive. There's more that we can become. There's more that we can do with our Savior together. Not out of obligation, but out of devotion for the one who stopped you on your Damascus road and saved you from your sin. He said, I'm going to take you off of this Damascus road. I'm going to put you on a new road. I'm going to put you on a new path that brings you out of darkness into light and is carrying you towards heaven. And I'm going to usher you there into eternity as I work on you and as I go with you. And so today I can encourage all of us to call up our reserves. I, I, I encourage all of us to hold nothing back in our pursuit of God. So we need to focus on the calling that we've received, general and specific. And we need to remember that God's desire is to fill us and to mature us. His desire is to bring us from glory to glory as we keep pace with him and as we press into his marvelous plan for our lives.